that is all baseball. They're better than they were a year ago. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Brought to you by Jackson Lumber and Millwork. Bigelow Tea, Gravely Zero Turn Lawnmowers. The 99 Restaurants, Sing Sang Cocktail in a Can. Win Waste Innovations and Woodbridge Wines. On Boston's Home for Sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. We got younger, but we got to push. You know, uh, it's, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse in the AL East. It's not an excuse in the big leagues, you know. Uh, I heard a lot about the injuries and all that, but it doesn't matter. They've been hurt the whole season, and they're in the playoffs. So uh, that's something that from top to bottom, regardless of who you are, you know, a 35 million player or a rookie that is coming here for a spot start, we expect to push. And, uh, you know, think about today. Don't think about tomorrow. You know, you have to win every day. If you win every day, if you have that mentality every day, regardless of who you are, good things are going to happen. I'm not saying we like that, but, you know, the excuses of injuries or being being young and all that is over. It's in the past, you know. We learned a lot this year. I learned a lot as a manager, and uh, I'm going to attack the offseason the right way, <clears throat> sending a message like, hey, it really doesn't matter, you know. If we're a little banged up, we have to show up and we have to go, you know, because uh, we expect a lot. Everybody expects a lot from this organization, and uh, to be honest with you, we were a big disappointment. That's Red Sox manager Alex Cora at Fenway Park before today's season finale against the Tampa Bay Rays, in which, uh, well, there were a lot of farewells or potential farewells going on at Fenway's. Andrew Bogarts, Dennis Eckersley, all of which I would love to get to tonight, and we can get to tonight. I remind everybody that we have one more show tomorrow, which will be, we will do as a, a wrap-up to the 2022 baseball season and the baseball hour. But when I heard these comments from Alex Cora tonight, I felt like we had to start here, okay? And I think they're, they're important comments, one in particular that we're about to play you. The one you just heard was a much more big-picture comment about how we have to show up, we have to be ready to go, we got to play every game like we want and win it, no excuses, we got to show up next year and get the job done, okay? And there were, there were some hidden messages in there, too, which I think this next cut is going to illustrate or amplify as to what I think has been going on over at Fenway Park and to what I think the big issues are. So let me uh, just tell you up front, 617-779-0985. We'll open up the phone lines right away. Jared Carabas of DraftKings is alongside, and we do have a lot to get to. So let me play you this cut, Jared, okay? Because when I heard this one, I went, ooh, ooh, listen to that. And I thought this was directed at one place in particular. Cora tried to cover his tracks, uh, probably effectively, spoke in more general terms. But rather than me babble on, here it is. Here's Alex Cora. Hey, Jimmy. One of the things that I, I really want is a sense of urgency. Uh, you know, it's something that as an organization, we've done it throughout the years. And we have to push hard in the offseason. You know, the message... You know, it's going to be now. I love the I love the future. Uh, you know, we we love the past. We don't like this past, right? But I think living in the present and pushing hard is something that we we're going to talk a lot. You know, I think uh, that's something that it, it it pushes you to be great. And it's not that we didn't do it this year, but I think the message should be louder. Okay, Jimmy, play the very beginning of that again, if you would. Leo, maybe the first 15, 20 seconds or so. Play it again. Listen very closely to what he says. One of the things that I, I really want is a sense of urgency. Uh, you know, it's something that as an organization, we've done it throughout the years, and we have to push hard in the offseason. You know, the message, 
you know, it's going to be now. I love the I love the future. Uh, you know, we we love the past. We don't like this past, right? But I th- okay, the urgency. As an organization, we've done it in the past. We need to be aggressive this winter. Jared, go. What are your th- initial thoughts? Uh, I mean, I think one of the big things that stands out to me is that we have had the discussion about Alex Cora not wanting to be. I mean, for lack of a better comparison, Tony La Russa yeah, or blunt. Bobby Cox. He doesn't want to do this forever. So why waste bullets? Like if you have Alex Cora as your manager right now, let's not talk about the future. Let's talk about right now. Let's talk about what we can do this offseason so that we can content, not just win a World Series, be in the conversation. You're already, you weren't even in the conversation this year. At least do something this offseason. Show the urgency. And the message that he said, too, was like that's – when you show urgency, that sends a message to the clubhouse. It's not just about, oh, we spent a lot of money. It's saying it. there's a different energy in the air when you come off an offseason where you can tell a team went for it. A vibe. Players yeah, have going. talked about that. So I, I've talked to every single – I've talked to a player from the four championship teams from, from the Boston Red Sox. They all basically spoke about that. When they showed up in spring training – things felt different because of momentum coming off the offseason. Things that the Red Sox did that winter, and it's like you show up and you're like, all right, let's go. Like, we're looking around, we see, oh, like, there's so-and-so over there. That's a big deal. So it's not just, like, this team, at least offensively, uh, they're built to win, they're built to contend. Uh, there needs to be a, comp- a, a complete revamp of, of the pitching staff. I don't know how you do that. I was talking to one of the guys today, and they were just like, yeah, I mean, we feel like we have a good team here. It's just we need a little help. Like we need some pitching. And if that's the case, uh, I was posed the question of, well, where do you go? You're not going to sign Rodon. You're not going to sign Degrom. So it's like, all right, balls in your court, Heim. Like that's what you're. That's what you're here for. Like you're. You're the guy that has uh, finagled all these other deals to br- to bring in pitching in in, in Tampa. So it, it's it, you're going to have to get creative. Um, but you're you're also going to have to be loud. Uh, I, I don't think that you can come out of this offseason without the, the general message being they went for it. Okay, or we're serious. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me just tell you quickly what, what I took from this. And let me say this part up front. Alex Cora was suspended by Major League Baseball. The Red Sox brought him back. They gave him a lifeline. Okay, we all know that. So now it's been a couple of years. He's back in the game. You know what his message was today? This isn't what I signed up for. This is not what I signed up for. That was his message. What happened this year was not what I signed up for. I'm sure he's grateful he got another opportunity from the team. And by the way, I agree with him. This is not what I signed up for. When he became manager of the Red Sox back in 2018, the goal was what? To win a World Series. To maximize the young talent they had on the roster, the guys that hadn't been able to get there and get them over the hump. That's why Cora was brought in. Then the whole thing with Houston happened. You know, 2019 happened, too. I don't want to leave that out. 2019 happened. The whole thing with Houston happened. He gets he gets suspended. They gave him a lifeline, and they had a good year last year. And now, all of a sudden, 2021, 2022, rather, became about what? Building the organization, serving two masters at once at the trading deadline, moving Garrett Whitlock into the rotation in a long-term play. Everything was about the future. So Cora's message today was 
to the organization. It was to ownership and it was to High and Bloom to say, we need more urgency. Youth is great. I like youth. Can't compete in the American League East with youth. Can't do it. He's right. You can. And here's the other thing I took from it. The only reason he said it today is because he's already said it to them. There's no way Cora went out there today and said what he said and threw ownership and management under the bus. And he said a number of times during the course of his uh, press conference, you know, I'm not saying we didn't do it. I'm not saying this. And he never said bloom or ownership. He never said baseball ops. He's, he also cited himself. I, I think he tried to be as diplomatic as possible. But his general message was, I took the job with the Red Sox because of what the Red Sox used to be. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to rebuild, finish last, and look like a bunch of hacks against the Toronto Blue Jays in particular. To me, that was the message. And believe it or not, I actually think it's a good thing that he said it publicly today because, again, it tells me they've had the conversation, they've assured him that they're going to make some sort of effort. I don't think he goes public. I think he's, in other words, Jared, and forgive me for going on and on here, but in other words, if they had said to him, Alex, we're doing it differently now, he doesn't take that tone today. He would say, he would give you something much more. I don't think you would hear the energy in his voice that you heard. He sounded like a guy who was fed up, and they know he's fed up, and so he's not letting out any company secrets now. So I thought that comment, Jimmy, I want to play the whole thing again, that, that, uh, the one that I called for, number one. Because, again, the, the, listen to it closely. And I say, listen, you don't even have to listen that closely. It's pretty clear. He, the, the, try to gather who, who is the message for is what I would ask you as a fan. Is it for the players? I would say in part. Is it for himself? I would say a little. But I think it's really the ownership and baseball ops, baseball management, his bosses. That's who I think the message is for. And I think he delivered it already because there's no way he went in and did it in this press conference. Go ahead, Jimmy. One of the things that I, I, I really want is a sense of urgency. Uh, you know, it's something that as an organization, we've done it throughout the years, and we have to push hard in the offseason. You know, the message... You know, it's going to be now. I love the I love the future. Uh, you know, we we love the past. We don't like this past, right? But I think living in the present and pushing hard is something that we we're going to talk a lot. You know, I think uh, that's something that it, it it pushes you to be great. And it's not that we didn't do it this year, but I think the message should be louder. I love that line. The message needs to be louder. It needs to be louder, and he's right. Do you disagree, Jared? I don't disagree with you. Do you agree one hundred percent, like yep. everyone else does? Sure do. I mean, what again? I'm just glad that he said it because now, now that it's on record, they they can't then have this lackluster off season and be like, "Well, I didn't. We didn't realize that there was such a sense of urgency down there to do something." Like, of course there is. And now you're hearing it from Alex Cora, and I think you made a great point. Uh, I, I think that he he probably did mention this. I mean, they're in they're in contact every single day. Like it's not like they have like these once a week group meetings. Uh, they're in contact every day. So I don't think that him sounding frustrated with the direction is much of a surprise. But I think when it's spoken publicly, I think that it puts a little bit more pressure on them to go out there and and achieve something this off season. 
Uh, if that's an internal conversation, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that they wouldn't magically go out there and do anything this winter, but going out there and saying it publicly. So now it's being dissected in places like this. That puts more pressure on them to actually live up to it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And look, I, I will tell you that I think this has gone on for a period of weeks, if not months. In other words, I think there's been some discussion between them already. And when I say them, Cora and ownership, Cora and Bloom, Cora and John Henry, Cora, Cora and Tom Werner, whoever. Okay, maybe they all sat in a room together and said, what's the problem? Because Cora, during the course of this year, at, at points has been talking about being a general manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Cora clearly had it. And the players were frustrated at the trade deadline. And I think Hyam Bloom came in here, and part of this is not his fault. Bloom had never been a GM before. He worked in an organization where uh, the future was paramount to every move they made. And he thought he was brought here to do the same thing. And now ownership is telling him, we actually have to do more here. We need you to do more. So somewhere along the line, I, I have had, and let me just get this off my chest and we'll take a break and then we'll get the calls. I've had major concerns about the philosophical disconnect between Cora and Bloom. They needed to figure it out. They needed to figure out where they were going, where they were going, and whether they were going to work together at it. Cora wanted to win now. Bloom is building for the future. That ain't going to work. It's not going to work. You got to find some sort of middle ground that pleases everybody or at least comes close. Nothing ever fully pleases everybody. But you could philosophically, they needed to be on the same page. I feel like they've had the conversation. That's what today tells me. They've had the conversations. The question is whether they can see it through and execute the plan they want to execute. So we'll see what kind of offseason they have, because it could be that when they show up next year, one of them isn't happy. So we'll see how that shakes out. But Alex Cora and Hyam Bloom, whether they like it or not, if they want to survive, they need each other. And they better figure it out, because next year someone's head's going to roll. Uh, we'll get to your calls. We'll play more chorus on when we come back on the baseball. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Now more baseball and more Mads. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Mads on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Hey, we deserve to go home. And uh, like I said before, we're going to push hard in the off- this offseason to get it right. We know we play in the toughest division in baseball, but at the same time, we understand that we we should be a lot better than this. You know, uh, we should you know be able to beat Toronto. You know, eight times out of eighteen games. You know what I'm saying? We it's like this season there were a lot of up and downs, more downs than up actually. And uh, I learned from it. You know, and uh, this feeling. Hey, it's not great, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's not great, and I'm, I'm going to use it as uh, something to push me forward to be better. Again, I thought very revealing comments from Alex Cora. He didn't sign. This is not what he signed up for, and I don't blame him. It's what nobody here signed up for, at least not with this ownership. 
The one thing they've done is commit, at least financially, over the last 20 years. And to that degree, they did this year, too. But the approach by Baseball Ops and Bloom this year was a little mystifying, maybe a lot mystifying. There was just no emphasis put on the 2022 season at all, it felt like. And they got a lot of questions coming up this offseason, not the least of which is Raphael Devers. So I know Jared had a specific thought about Devers, and then we'll get to some calls. But fire away, because I thought this was good, Jared. Yeah, I, I just I saw his comments about his season, and he mentioned first and foremost, he said, you know, I, I think it's a failure of a season anytime you don't make the postseason. But he also said that he was unhappy with his season from a personal standpoint. And, I mean, on the surface, you look at the numbers and be like, this is a pretty good year. But... Rafael Devers obviously expected much more out of himself, especially in the second half of this year. So my first thought after seeing those comments was, if you're Rafael Devers and you're obviously pretty set on getting a, a pretty big deal here, if it's going to be an extension or if you're going to go to free agency, why would you sign an extension coming off a year that you felt like it was a down year? It's a good point. His value is lower now. His value is lower because of the season he had. Maybe not, unless they, you know, unless they're willing to give him what they would have given him anyway. Right. Right. But that's a fair point. Sure. It's an excellent point. And by the way, I, I, given all this thing with Cora, because I, when I heard it, I went, oh, my God, he said it. He said it publicly. And because there have been whispers around the ballpark, the Cora is really dissatisfied with all this stuff. And the fact that he said it publicly tells me he's had the conversation with ownership and management about, hey, this isn't going to float. We got to do more. And I think they heard him. I think they heard him. But I also meant to say that I wanted to have Tyler Milliken on tonight. Tyler, oh. Tyler you're on by a Zoom, right? Yes, how are we doing? Okay, good. <laughs> so, you know, Tyler's a, a young, hardcore baseball fan, Red Sox fan in particular. So I wanted to get his thoughts on something. So, Tyler, tell you what, don't go anywhere because I'm going to ask you some of these questions too. But let me bring in a call first, all right? Sounds good. Okay, good. Uh, Mike is in Reading. Good, Mike. Hey, guys, how's it going? I, I, I'm pretty curious. Believe me, as a fan, I'm not happy with what Baseball Ops has done and, and what Hein Bloom has done, but I think everybody's letting Alex Cora off the hook a little bit. Uh, his performance in 2022 I, I don't think was very good at all. If you look back to around the All-Star break just after and before when the team was playing well, or I should say they kind of got their record up. I, I want to say they got up to about 10 games above 500. They completely went in the tank. They were whiny. If you remember, there were a lot of drop pop-ups. It yep. seemed like every night they lost 28-6 to to Toronto. Correct. There was a lot of ugly stuff going on with the team. And, and to me, that's the manager right there. I just don't want people to let him off the hook and think that he had a good year. I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed that people are completely going after baseball offs because I think the uh, the, the team and, and, and the manager have a lot of responsibility for this year. Okay, Mike, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's got to get distributed evenly. And I would say, look at the last two deadlines. They lost focus. Okay, they lost focus. So now I think you would say, well, how much, you know, on the one hand, I, I, I sort of say, well, what, Alex Cora is responsible for Jaron Duran losing a ball in the sky? How many times? Like, that's the manager's fault, especially when who's he supposed to play out there when he has no other option. But in the same breath, I will tell you that if Cora was dissatisfied with Bloom and ownership, the players knew it. and They, that, they th do know it. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, so that can filter into a team's mindset. And the manager's in a tough spot there. This I've always said this, Jared. The link between the GM and the manager is the most important one in the franchise. 
If that thing doesn't work, there's a disconnect between the clubhouse and the front office. That's what happened this year. Cora ended up signing with the uniform people, siding rather, which is normal because he wears a uniform. They're the ones out there getting their asses kicked every night. But inevitably what happens is there then becomes this, no, it wasn't me, it was you, and you can't let that happen if you're the manager. Can't let it happen. The only thing I can hope from Cora's comments is that when he said, I'm going to take the negatives out of this and become a better manager, that that's what he was talking about. So that is my my hope. Uh, Milliken, I asked you at one point, of all the crap that went on this year, and there was a lot of it, I asked you to find me the most damning statistic on the 2022 Red Sox. Did you come up with one? I did. It, honestly, it plays right back to Maz, that conversation we had back in Dorchester right before the season. It was me, you, and McCarthy. And we said the one thing that could seriously derail this team, if anything was going to go completely wrong, it was the bullpen. We could see it from all the way back then. I went on fan graphs. I'm digging through. Just looking at war. So this is just telling you how valuable the Red Sox bullpen was in 2022. So this, is a, the, so this is a team war for the bullpen. Yep, just for the bullpen. So this is the funnel arms, all these different guys that Perfect. came through. They finished fourth worst in all of baseball. Oof. The three teams worse than you, the D-backs, Athletics, and Cubs. Three garbage teams that are right at the bottom. On a year, you went over the luxury tax. On a year, you went a couple million over the luxury tax, showing the no direction you had before the season, and then you doubled down on it at the trade deadline, which is even more unforgivable. You want to know the six teams that uh, were at the very top of that list? Yeah, go. Dodgers, Braves, Astros, Guardians, Yankees, Padres. Huh. What, what, what do those all have in common? Playoffs. Playoff teams. And the worst mark out of any playoff team was the Blue Jays. They were the 16th best in baseball, which still is 10 spots ahead of you. Okay. So I, in the interest of fairness, Tyler, because we are nothing if not fair. Right, Jared? Always. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the interest of fairness, I also asked you to, uh, to pull out the best statistic. From the from the 2022 season, were you able to find one? Let me tell you, it, it was a struggle, so I combined three. <laughs> I had to dig. It, it, it's offense related, and it's a lot of the expected, uh, you know, expected stat stuff we've kind of talked about earlier in the year. So I started with the expected batting average. They were fourth best in baseball. The teams ahead of you: Blue Jays, Phillies, Mets, three playoff teams. They were eighth in expected slugging at 401. Only one non-playoff team was ahead of you. It was the Twins. You finished sixth in OBP across all of baseball. That led to you scoring the ninth most runs in the whole sport this year. Considering you had a power outage from Bogarts and JD, Kike just was horrendous the first couple months of the year. First base gave you nothing until Costas came up recently. Endeavors basically being hurt for the whole second half. You still were right there. So it goes to show, if you take care of some of the guys you need to in Bogarts, you go, you know, Costas will give you way more than what you got at first base this year, get some help in right field, and you address the pitching staff, this offense should still carry this team. You just got to give them enough to work with. Okay. And that's so, all they're asking so for. So you know, you know people are going to mark you, Tyler, when you start talking about expected batting average and expected uh, slugging. Oh, okay. sob. Listen, listen, listen. We're going to cry about that stuff. Alex Cora is setting it, talking about Alex Verdugo. So if you want to call me a nerd, call Alex Cora a nerd. He, he did the same thing talking about J.D. Martinez as well. This is baseball. This is the game. You can run from it, but these are how guys are evaluated. Okay, so but you're, what, what those numbers really reflect is that they hit the ball hard. Yeah, so they're a combination of launch angle and exit velocity, and a lot of the times you see the Babbitt. We talk about Brian Bayo's Babbitt being way high. He's been one of the most unlucky pitchers in all of baseball. Tristan Casas early on had a very low Babbitt. He was getting unlucky. We see now the OPS shoots over 800. Okay.
Tyler, listen, and I mean this in all sincerity, uh, this season went sideways down the stretch. Uh, But uh, listen, thank you for all your help this year, pal. Of course, Maz. It was a blast coming on. I couldn't ask for a better opportunity. And and as long as, uh, you know, I I mean, you're a young and up and coming guy. Who the hell knows where you're going to be at the start of next year? But as long as you're here, we're going to do it again next year. Sounds like a blast. I'll have all the nerd stats coming your way. Appreciate that. All right. Tyler Milliken here. Jared Carabas in studio. Uh, Murray's going to get you caught up on headlines here. Again, a lot going on over at Fenway Park today. I should tell you also, Xander Bogarts just pulled from the game uh, as a, a, a sign of respect from manager Alex Cora. Had Bogarts removed in what looks like the top of the seventh inning. The Red Sox went out to the field to, to play defense against the, the Rays. Bogarts got out to his position, and Cora sent a replacement out there to take his place in the field. Is that what happened, Jared? Yeah. You watch- and he he tipped his cap. Like it, I, I don't. I don't want to getting choked up about it. I don't want to describe what it looked like because I still think I I still have optimism that he gets a deal done before the World Series. Okay, so what you're saying is it looked like he was saying goodbye. Correct. Okay. So here's Murray with your headlines. We'll add Bogarts to the discussion. Those of you on the line, sit tight because uh, I promise we'll get to your phone calls again. There's just a lot going on over at that ballpark today. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. If you had to say so right now, is Xander Bogarts coming back next year? Uh, my guess is yes. I just think that he's, you know, he loves the organization deeply. There's a, such a strong sense. Uh, oh, there's a drive. Margot with a high, deep shot to left field and kiss that one goodbye. They've hit their second home run. Right before we kiss you goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like timing has always been my forte up here, so might as well stick it out. Uh, We can go into Manuel Margot and his his rise in the Red Sox farm system back through 2015. I think I've told you this before, Alex, that we actually have nothing to do with what happens down there. Absolutely nothing. I've been accused to the contrary every once in a while. I've <laughs> oh, double we all checked. have. Yes. I've double checked with some oh, players. Yeah. Uh, if you're up but, here long enough, you get accused of everything. No question. We'll get right to your calls here, but we played that last night. I wanted to play it again because I want to ask every one of our contributors, and I forgot to ask Tyler Milliken this. Alex Spear of the Boston Globe went on Nesson the other night. They asked him, do, what do you think about Bogarts? He coming back? Spear says, right now, I think he's coming back. I think he loves it in Boston, and they'll figure it out. So I'll ask Jared. I'll ask you the same question. What do you think? Well, I've heard a little bit of uh, whispers and rumors that, uh, that that there's some optimism. And I've said this before, that there's been optimism. But the most recent update that I got was essentially that they, they would hope to get this done before the World Series, like sooner rather than later. And that's best case scenario obviously uh but i also know that like dave dabrowski loves xander bogarts and xander bogarts loves dave dabrowski like they they have a good relationship uh so i guess when when because i was talking to someone today 
essentially saying that. Like, oh, I had heard that the Red Sox really hope to get something done before the World Series with Xander. And they said, why, if you made it this far, would you not just go to free agency? Correct. Like, if you've made it this far, why wouldn't you at least see what's out there? And it's a very valid question. I don't know the answer to it. So I'm just hoping that they they can... they can, I mean, if you just meet his number, if you're just going to ask him the question of what will it take, and then you pay him that number, then he doesn't need to see what's out there. And, and I do believe that Xander is a player that obviously cares about legacy and, and plays where he's comfortable and all that. So that stuff does matter. So I... Uh... Well, so we're going to answer the question. Which do think, one? Do you think he'll be back or not? I do. I do think he'll be back, yes. Okay. So uh, I I told you I'm not answering it yet. I'm, the beauty of um, sitting in this chair is I get to answer it tomorrow night. Mm. But uh, I'll say this quickly, and then I want to take some calls, and I want to also get to Eck in the final segment. The uh, We'll know in three weeks. If he's not signed... By the end of the World Series, it's over. You think there's no chance he comes back if they don't get something done before the World Series? I think it's highly unlikely. I think someone's going to knock him over with a pile of money. And if the Red Sox are going to get this done, they got to get it serious with him before it even gets to that. Mm. If he goes to the market, it's over. That's what I think. So we'll see how it shakes out. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen before then because I told you I have a prediction on that. Okay. But if he hits the market... Bye-bye. I think he's gone. That's just my two cents. Uh, Donald's in a car. Donald, go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, quickly, completely agree with so, you. So, Donald, I'm going to put you on hold only because we can barely hear you. I don't know if you're on a car phone, you're on a speaker, you're on a Bluetooth. See if you can make a better connection, and then I'll try to punch you up again. Uh, Martin in Texas. The 90s? Well, you know what I mean. If he's on his, <laughs> in his car. Target. Yeah, I, Tony, I really like what Alex said because – He's pretty much lighting the fire underneath the owner and the uh, and Heim Bloom's butt to get get their butts in gear and take care of the stuff that needs to get, get taken care of. So we don't have to worry about this when the off season actually starts. Take care of it now, and we can focus on what we actually need besides our own players that we were bad even with. Yeah. So I don't look at it necessarily as lighting a butt a fire under their butts. I look at it more as acknowledging to us that. A, he was as frustrated as most fans were for the way it went during the season and the way that the ownership and management approached it. And B, the fact that he told them that. And I don't think there's any way he didn't. Because, again, he had said recently over and over again, we have a good plan, which means they talked about it. And so if he now goes out and says we need to be aggressive, we're going to be aggressive, well, then he's satisfied that his point of view was heard. So, uh, to me, that's that's what I took out of it, Jared. What about the layer to this that Alex Cora doesn't necessarily... He's, like, not married to being here forever. So, th- there is a layer of, like, hey, if you don't get it going... Ne- like, I'm not here to manage a rebuild. Like, you can rebuild and contend at the same time, but I'm not here for just a full-blown rebuild. And if you want me here, if I'm the guy, you picked me, you hired me, if you still want me to be here, then you're going to have to essentially meet me halfway. Give me what I want. Or yes. Give me some of the things that I want. I think it's part of it. Yeah. I do. He, he, doesn't, I do. Need to, he doesn't need to be here. Yeah, and look, they have him for two more years. Mm-hmm. He's under contract for two more years. But I will also say this. Okay, as, this isn't solely about what Alex Cora wants. You know, 
Ownership wants to do it this way, too. And you know why? Because their business took a massive hit this year. Then why hire High and Bloom in the first place if that was his M.O.? Because they didn't anticipate that it was going to go this bad this year. They didn't anticipate it. They put the same plan in. They, they thought in their minds they had the same plan for 2022 they did for 2021. When they got Hunter Renfro, he was making, what, $3 million a year? Yeah. I mean, he was a nobody, and he came here and had a good year, and they figure, okay. And I thought, I'm okay with that game, by the way. You buy the stock low, you sell it high. Except that when they sold Hunter Renfro, they got nothing for him. And they did a similar thing with Ben Attendee. They didn't get anything for him. So I think some of the mistakes from Bloom is, is, have been that he's whiffed on some of these deals. Let's try Donald again. Donald, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Matt. No, hey, I just want to say quickly, I completely agree with uh, your point about uh, Bogart's uh, deal needing to get done before the World Series. I think that if Dombrowski gets his hands on him, I mean, he's basically the antithesis of kind of So I think if the Phillies get, a, get their hands on him, he's as good as gone. Um, and then in terms of direction for the offseason, I, I really kind of see it playing out one of two ways. One of two ways, and I don't really love either one of them. Uh, one thing that they pay both us and they re-sign him and they kind of... Okay, Donald, I'm losing you. So I, I, I didn't catch the last part. Signing Bogart is step number one. Would you agree with that, Jared? Yeah, and I think, again, best case scenario. It's not even just best case scenario. It's the only case scenario is... I don't think it's 100%. I feel like you're more in the 100% camp that if he gets the free agency, he's gone. I still think that a fair deal brings him back over the best deal. Uh, but it, best case scenario is getting it done before the World Series because we've talked about how every like that's the first domino that has to fall. Um, and I think you bring up a great point earlier about Cora making those comments about Bogarts, and, and it would seem like the conversation was had. Like, hey, we want him back. We're willing to pay what he's like, around what he's asking, maybe exactly what he's asking. We don't know yet, um, but that's the first. That's the first thing that has to happen. Cora has talked up Bogart so much of late, and and over the weekend, someone said, "Is it going to be emotional for you on you know the last few games with Bogarts?" And Cora said, "Well, I hope not." Like you know, and the way he said it suggested to me like I'm not getting emotional because we're bringing him back. Yeah. Like So it's Cora's expectation. How about that? That's a better way to say it. It is Cora's expectation that they are going to bring Bogarts back. Okay, that is what I can tell you. I think Cora expects them to bring Bogarts back. Uh, Joe in Framingham. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Matt. Sorry for not knowing how old Bogarts is, but how old is he, first off? 30. He just turned 30, 30. a few days ago. Okay, so is it a six-year... 180 fully guaranteed. Is it an eight year? Like, yeah, you're asking Joe 40. You're asking good questions. I'm going to let you go just because we have other callers. If he stays in his current contract, which he can do, he's got three years left. He gets three and 60. Not good enough. If he gets out on the open market, you want my honest opinion? Dave Dombrowski will give him eight and 240. He'll give him something ridiculous. He'll pay him $30 million a year and he'll give him eight years. Okay? The Red Sox aren't going to pay that. No. They're not going to pay that. And honestly, I think that's an overpayment for what Bogarts is going to be over the life of that contract. But could the Red Sox get him for 6 and 160 Like an additional? No, no. I mean, a, you know, add on three, and it ends up being 6 times 27. So he doesn't opt out. He doesn't opt out. They extend the contract or they redo it. 
maybe he opts out and then they start over. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you're going to want to pay him more on the front end. So, but, right. My guess, though, is the Red Sox will try to manipulate it in such a way that it benefits their luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're going to ask him to work with them on that, and they will give him money somewhere else. Maybe it's deferred. I don't know. But 6 and 160, does that get it done? 27 and change? Well, that's the guy that you would ask about deferred payments to help on the luxury tax because it's like, hey, you're everyone around here is calling you the captain of this team. So if you want to win another another championship here and you're going to be part you're going to be a Red Sox lifer, then that's the kind of contract that you would ask of someone like that. Yeah, and I would He's not uh, a mercenary. No, Red's right. Yeah, and I would uh look, I think it means something to him to st- that to stay here otherwise I tell you he's already gone. John's in Marlboro. John, quickly, go ahead. Oh, hey, uh, Tony. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to touch on X-Last broadcast and just, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, with the loss of Remy and how awesome I think that uh, Eck was, and I was looking at the crowd today, I caught a little bit of it, and it was kind of sad that there's just no crowd, no fanfare, and I think this guy's one of the baseball legends and also i really wanted to touch quickly on uh your your take on edwin diaz the other day i have diaz fever okay i love (laughs) diaz too john i'm gonna let you go just because i don't want to get to diaz again tonight but i'm glad you brought up Eck. okay um the fact that the ballpark is empty think of it this way his relationship really has been with the viewer and i bet you the ratings on tv for this game will be pretty good so, and they did do something for him on the video board. It's it's unfortunate the team's out of it and the ballpark's empty on a crappy, rainy night. Uh, but believe me when I tell you, Eck is getting his due and it means a lot to him. Okay, I can tell you that for certain. We'll continue with Eck when we come back. Don't go anywhere on the baseball hour. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Now more baseball and more math. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, only a few minutes left on tonight's episode of the Baseball Hour. Again, we'll have a show tomorrow night. The final show of the season will be tomorrow night. We'll do a wrap-up on the Red Sox uh, season with Matt McCarthy and all the contributors... uh, Coming by this week, and uh, I think the Red Sox are doing like a post-mortem type of press thing tomorrow. 11 a.m. tomorrow, Tony. Be there. Yeah, so it'll be uh, typically, I love those. typically Bloom and Cora, and I think that I'm interested in hearing the questions they get. Yeah. You know, as to whether or not they've had discussions about whether they were on the same page or not. I would love to know all of that. Those are usually meaty. Like, you usually get a lot of info in those yeah there's not a lot of filler in those yeah again there's nothing to hide now you know uh, we all know what the story is but um dennis eckersley obviously also calling his final game over at fenway park and uh, jared i know you have some uh, specific experiences with x so why don't you go first yeah i mean i think one of the coolest things was that he he followed me on twitter a long time ago 
And he sometimes he would check out the blogs that I was reading, and then we would message back and forth, and he would be like, "Yeah, like you know that take you nailed it." And, and it's like, "Whoa!" If Dennis Eckersley agrees with me, then no one can say anything to me now. And then I remember back in 2019, uh, the Red Sox, um, or actually, you know what? I think it was 18. That was when the Red Sox got no hit by Sean Manaya out in Oakland, and Dallas Braden, who's my co-host on Baseball Is Dead, my podcast, he was like, "Yeah, he's you know, X said he wanted to meet you." And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, yeah. He's like, he's like the kid. He's like the kid that you do the show with. He's like, I want to meet him. So I remember being in like the, the A's player parking lot. And uh, Dallas brought me up to him. And I was like, you know, nice to meet you, sir. Mr. Eckersley, the whole thing. And so, I, you know, a couple nights ago, it was, what was it, last Tuesday, I got to be in the Nesson broadcast booth. And sitting, I got to sit next to him. And even though it was a half an inning, just doing that one half inning in the broadcast booth with with Dennis Eckersley, knowing that that was his second to last homestand in a broadcast booth. I don't that was one of the coolest things I think I'll ever do. Like not even like to this point, I think even like cast it the rest of my life. That's one of the coolest things that I'll ever get to do is be able to say that I did that. I mean, uh, he is, you know, he's a really likable guy, as we all know. And one of the great things about Eck is he's had his share of personal problems over the course of his life. He's never hit him from them or his failures. Uh, he's never been afraid to be human. I went over to the ballpark before the game today just because I wanted to, uh, you know, congratulate him on his retirement. He's and say goodbye to him, at least in the short term. Um, and I know it's been an emotional couple of days for him. This park gets lost. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's a tremendous broadcaster. Mm-hmm. He's he's great on the games. And when you're someone like me who has had time to, uh, fortunately had time to spend around the ballpark, the players make all the difference in the world, particularly the guys who've been around for a while because you can learn a lot from them, and I learned a lot from Heck. He was an invaluable resource, uh, as was Remy. Um Terrific at his job, terrific to be around, very enjoyable guy to work with and talk to, and uh, he'll be missed in the booth. He'll be missed around the ballpark. At the same time, I'm really happy for him because he's given his entire life to baseball. He's only 68. He's got plenty more to give. He's got grandkids, and uh, gets to be a real person now, so good for Eck. For those of you out there, you have your own uh, memories uh, and, you know, Thoughts of him. Many of you like him. Some of you probably don't. That's okay, too. But, uh, you know, again, he uh, he made his mark here, for sure, both as a player when he pitched here in the 70s, then as an opponent when he pitched here for Oakland in the late 80s and 90s, and now as a broadcaster, he's been an integral part of the uh, Red Sox baseball experience, and I should say the Boston baseball experience. Made his home here, California guy, uh, one of the few who uh, uh, planted his roots here in Boston, and that should tell you plenty. So I have a particular favorite of X calls, as uh, do many of you. Uh, this one should not surprise you, but we'll leave you with that. I'll take it right into Murray, giving you headlines, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Here we go. It's time to party right here. 3-2. High of the season, and I mean anywhere in the major leagues. 
Mookie Betts slaughters a grand slam. Just this the way the Red Sox are going, it was time to party again, I'm telling you. He absolutely lost it. Cross-seamer down. See, this one was down.